Today we are going to demystify the mother of all buzzwords, sustainable finance. What is it and how will they affect your life regardless of whether you are an investor or not? So stay tuned to find out. Dear wonderful people of the internet, welcome to the future of here at Nordic Fintech Magazine where we make fintech and finance relatable and easy to understand. Today we're tackling a beast of a subject, so let's just get into it. Unless you've been hiding in a bunker at the bottom of the ocean for the past several years, chances are you would have heard about sustainable finance. This is a huge trend in financial services, but unless you're an avid investor, the details of it may have probably just gone over your head. However, in the not-so-distant future, this trend could impact what you eat, what you wear, and what you drive. So don't go away yet. I went through a ton of research and newspaper and magazine articles to find out more about sustainable finance. And to be honest, it's a bit of a mess. As it is often the case with financial information, the literature is filled with jargon and buzzwords, and it really creates a lot of confusion and ambiguity. So in today's episode, I will try to break this down for you as I would have liked it to be broken down for me in a simple and easy way to understand. So here we go. Let's start at the most basic level. Let's say that after covering your main necessities of food, housing and entertainment, you are left with a little bit of extra money at the end of the month. You may choose to get that money to work for you as a way of growing your wealth. For this, there's a number of things that you may choose to do with it. You could go down to the local betting shop and gamble it away or you may choose to put it in a savings account and receive a minuscule interest from the bank, or you could just choose to go and invest it in the various capital markets, which is where you buy stocks and shares and swaps and equity, all of which represent different ways of investing your money into companies. Now, investors with experience follow different strategies to diversify their portfolios, but essentially these strategies try to distribute risk and maximize returns. But as it, as it turns out, Occasionally, investors also have a conscience, and many have historically chosen to place their money on companies that align with their values. A good example of this might be investors who decide that they will not put their money on companies that manufacture things like weapons, tobacco or alcohol, regardless of how profitable they may be. Now, over the past 10 years, the collective consciousness of investors has expanded beyond vices and war towards a broader picture of how their investments may impact society at large. And this is basically what sustainable investing is all about. It's a type of investment in which investors consider other factors beyond profit, typically grouped as environmental, social, and corporate governance factors, or ESG. Now, sustainable investing has become very popular, especially amongst millennials and impact investors who prefer to put their money into companies that not only do not conflict with their values, but that actually drive a positive change. See, the market has been very quickly respond to this trend and to the rise demand of sustainable finance and professional analysts and investment fund managers have swiftly started giving ESG scores to investment products like stock, uh, exchange traded funds and mutual funds. So an ESG score is essentially a number that gives a quick snapshot of how sustainable an investment is. Think of it as a label that you find in packaged foods. It is there to provide you with information regarding the nutritional composition of your food and to help you make more informed decisions about the things that you buy. So let's take a quick look at what the ESG categories typically look at. On the first place, we have the environmental dimension, which typically looks at a number of criteria related to the impact a company has on its environment. This could be its carbon footprint, the way it manages waste, or the way in which it uses clean energy and technology. 
The second dimension is the social dimension and it refers to the impact a company has on social criteria. This includes things like a company's labor relationships, but also the well-being of its employees and members of its community, its community at large. And thirdly, we have the governance dimension, which looks at uh, how a company's management is driving positive change. It takes into consideration the quality of a company's management, as well as overall transparency and disclosure of its interests and even corporate political contributions. See, the trend has caught on and it has now become mainstream. According to Bloomberg, the size of global investment in sustainability could reach 53 trillion US dollars by 2025, which would be equivalent to one third of all, all assets under management, which is the total market value of investments that are handled by a third party on behalf of investors. Okay, so what is so important about this? Well, sustainability as a framework for guiding decisions and for encouraging responsible business practices sounds great, right? And it is, for the most part. But as with all things, the devil is in the detail. To understand the main challenges or contention points regarding sustainable finance, we will look at the two most regular concerns expressed by investors, investment fund managers, and executives. Namely, the issue of greenwashing, and the trade-off between profit and sustainability. So according to a survey done by Responsible Investor, the words that investors would like to see disappear from the lexicon of sustainable finance were ESG and the phrase doing well by doing good, which is often mentioned on the ongoing debate around trade-offs between ESG investments and profits. An article published by Critical Resource says that the looseness and the subjectivity around what doing good actually means is starting to put investors off. And this is essentially because it is not clear who should define what doing good is or how to compare different types of good that may conflict with each other. And in the absence of agreed standards, some funds use highly sophisticated methods to determine what good means, while others rely more on virtue signaling to paint companies to be more sustainable than they actually are. In addition to this, the ESG data is at best highly imperfect and at worst downright misleading. And this is because the data is often put together with little due diligence from public sources of information like news articles and companies' own sustainable reports. And we all know how reliable the media and self-reported assessments are, right? Unfortunately, this causes a lot of confusion for investors as it is very difficult to say with any level of certainty if an investment actually has a sustainable impact. It also makes it easy for some companies to hide unsustainable practices from the public through a type of corporate misbehavior known as greenwashing. Now, one paper published by a group of Swiss, German and French researchers in the Journal of Business Research calls greenwashing as it is. Lies, misconduct and misleading communication. The paper identified four actual types of greenwashing that go all the way from falsifying information to deceiving and manipulating investors. It's really not good at all. According to the Wall Street Journal, in many cases, existing funds are just cynically rebranded as green, and this is to attract more investment without any evidence of any changes in the fund composition or in its investment strategy. Another article by Bloomberg shows that in other cases, ESG-labeled products contain irresponsible companies such as large polluters like fast fashion manufacturing to boost the fund's performance. Companies like H&M, Zara, and Uniqlo are some of those companies in fast fashion that have been called greenwashing. Brands in this category have the habit of over-advertising its green initiatives, even though they are often limited to only a very particular line of clothing, which represents a tiny fraction of their production. Other companies that have been caught 
greenwashing include Volkswagen, who admittedly cheated in its ESG reports back in 2015, British Petroleum, now called Beyond Petroleum, and even IKEA, which has always been considered a beacon of sustainability, was linked to illegal logging activities in the Ukraine in 2020. Now, regulators are trying to address the problem of greenwashing through, well, the only tool they know how to use, regulation. In Europe, attempts to define sustainable finance standards have led to the creation of not one, not two, but three different and sometimes overlapping pieces of regulation. The first of these is the Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation, or, or SFDR, which mandates that financial market participants have to disclose ESG obligations. The first part of this regulation went into effect in March 10, 2021. However, a more detailed set of disclosure requirements is set to go into effect on the 1st of January 2022. The second piece of regulation is defined in the Non-Financial Reporting Directive, or NFRD, which applies to large European listed companies. This regulation requires companies to publish reports on the policies they implement in relation to environmental protection, social responsibility, and other European imposed quotas on diversity. And the last piece of regulation, at least for now, is the EU Taxonomy for Sustainable Activities, which requires companies and asset managers to report the percentage of their turnover that is aligned with categories within the EU Taxonomy. Now, while these efforts of standardization are welcomed by some, there is also broad concern that all this regulation is adding an additional layer of bureaucracy, which far from bringing clarity and transparency to investors, is actually creating more ambiguity and complexity. But this all brings us to the second challenge, which is, does a higher ESG score translate into doing more good? Now, according to Forbes, more and more industry participants now recognize that some ESG factors are in fact economic factors, which in the long term can impact the financial performance of a company. Things like access to raw materials, the prospect of future higher taxation on the basis of energy consumption, access to the labor market, and even a company's reputation could have a very real impact on a company's bottom line. I do think that the changing behavior we have seen in the market over the past 10 years shows clearly that many investors want to do good with their investments. In fact, a survey done by Morgan Stanley showed that 85% of individual investors and 95% of millennials were interested in sustainable finance. However, at the same time, 64% agreed that investors must choose between making money and being sustainable, implying that sustainability and profit require a trade-off. And here's where things get really confusing, because anyone wishing to find out whether there is indeed a trade-off between sustainable finance and profits will be inundated with an endless list of articles referencing recent studies that show a strong correlation between the two. And just as many others suggesting that the correlation may be more casual and does not always hold true. Now, the problem that investors now face is that with all the ambiguity and subjectivity in defining sustainable finance and in measuring their actual impact, how can studies show with any degree of certainty that there is in fact a strong correlation between sustainability and profit. So to avoid overselling both the impact and the gains of sustainable investment and disappointing enthusiastic investors in the process, I think it is sensible to adopt a more cautious and balanced stance. A credible claim could be made on the fact that fund managers do agree that good ESG performance can reinforce trust between a company, governments, customers and employees. At best, Good corporate ESG performance is a useful proxy for good management of a firm's businesses and fiduciary responsibilities. 
But we need to realize that as reported recently by Critical Resource, even with a decent ESG data, it will require a rare degree of technical insight and predictive brilliance to pinpoint consistently where value may be created and destroyed due to ESG issues. If we think of investors as consumers of investment products in the capital markets, it's great to provide them with more options and more information that can help them make more informed decisions with more clarity. How investors are to judge between trade-offs of ESG categories where companies may favor social over environmental issues or governance over social issues, it's still unclear. Should an investor prioritize investing in a company that creates a lot of good jobs in a poor region but at the expense of the environment? Or should they choose over one that preserves the environment by automating many jobs out of existence is probably a topic for another podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe to our channel or head over to our website at nordicfintechmagazine.com for more transformational thought leadership. See you soon.